All right, we're going to go ahead and jump right into our, our series that we're, we're actually wrapping this up. There's just a couple more weeks, uh, but we've been going through the Sermon of the Mount this summer. We're on week 10. We've been kind of looking at understanding what Jesus wants his followers to be and do. Uh, actually, the subtitle for this series or for this message is A Christian's Relationship with God and Others. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7. So we are in the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12, okay? So we're going to be looking at some, some things that Jesus wants us to understand as far as our relationship with, with him and with others. And this is kind of, Jesus is beginning to kind of wrap it all up. He's kind of bringing it all to a head here. So a lot of some of the things he's going to be doing here is talking kind of about summaries and kind of bringing it all together and helping us to really understand the last several things he wants us to see in this particular passage of scripture and in this particular sermon that he gives that so many people know and, and quite honestly, so many people don't truly understand, okay? So we're going to look at number one this morning. We're going to look at a summary statement that Jesus gives on passing judgment upon others. Okay, now, we're going to kind of break this down so we kind of look at each little thing before we move on to kind of another section. And so so Jesus starts with Matthew 7, 1. It says this, do not judge or you too will be judged. Now we stop here and here's what happens a lot of times in our world today. We stop in this moment and we love to, we like that, don't we? I mean, let's think about that for a second. This is what Jesus said. Don't judge or you'll be judged. Now, I have used that scripture completely out of context many times. And probably 98% of those times is when I don't want you to look at my life and say, that's not okay. Okay? We live in a world today where we don't like people to have the authority or the place in our lives to say, you can't do that or that's not okay. Jesus here almost sounds like he's basically saying that. He's like, hey, you can't judge people. That's not what Jesus is saying, okay? And we have to look at that. And we're going to expound on this so we understand this. Because here's what he's really saying. He's saying, he's talking about being judgmental, okay? There is a major league difference that we're going to look at. And I'm going to actually give you some specific things to help us to understand what that is. But here's what I want to talk about. And look, look at this little section. Look in your notes. It says this. It says, in this passage, some seem to think, and I put in parentheses, or hope, that Jesus commanded a universal acceptance of any lifestyle or teaching. But that's not what Jesus is doing. Okay? A lot of times when I, would be, when I was a youth pastor, I would have kids and they would come up to me and they would ask questions. Can I do this? Can I do that? And they would basically be saying, can I do something like here? And it was like, I remember always being like, your only reason you're asking me if you can do this is because you know you probably shouldn't and you want to be able to be told it's okay to do it. And I'd be like, actually, it's not okay to do that. And they would kind of get, oh, man, you know, okay, or whatever. But it was always that situation. So a lot of times people use this scripture and they look at it and they go, oh, okay, that's, that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is saying, I can do this. I'm okay doing these things. But listen, this, is not, this does not prohibit examining the lives of others. I'm sorry to tell you. This does not prohibit that. It prohibits doing it in the spirit it is often done. Now, I want to give you an example, 
Okay, I want to show you something in Scripture that kind of illustrates what Jesus is talking about here. In Matthew 26, we see this really beautiful story, okay? And some of you know this story, some of you don't. But here's how this story is. Jesus is at Bethany, at the home of Simon, a man who previously had leprosy, okay? So they're eating, okay? So you kind of got this picture. Jesus is in this house, and he's sitting there, and he's eating, okay, in this guy's house. And basically, in this time frame, they didn't have doors a lot of times. And so people would literally just walk in off the street... In the middle of somebody's dinner party. Okay, this was natural, normal, even though for us, we're like, that's weird. That's why you have door locks, because I don't want strangers coming into my house. Okay? But this was normal. So this was happening. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive pure perfume and poured it over his head. Now, this is one of those stories that I love because of just to us in our Western mindset, we're going, what just happened here? Okay? But you got a picture of the story. This woman comes walking in off the street. Now, a lot of people, a lot of theologians think this was a prostitute for, for the reasons because she actually had this perfume. The prostitutes would use this to make themselves smell better. They didn't take a lot of baths and things of that nature. And so a lot of people think that's what happened here, that this prostitute walks in. And she breaks open this, this jar of very expensive perfume, and she pours it over Jesus' head at dinner, Okay? At dinner, the disciples were indignant when they saw this. This is what they said. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. So they've watched this this take place. And the disciples, the guys, quote unquote, that should know better, look at this woman and go, what a waste. What is wrong with you? They begin to judge her for the action that she takes. Now look at Jesus. He responds. Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth. Now, this is amazing what Jesus says here. And this is coming true in this very moment. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Now, I want you to stop and think about that for a second. How cool would it be if you did something in your life and Jesus' response was, hey, listen, listen, no matter where I'm talked about, no matter where my gospel is preached, you're going to be brought up and remembered for the amazing thing you did. That's amazing. That's cool. What's the problem here? Why does Jesus have to respond? He's responding because the disciples are judging the woman and what she's doing. They're being judged They're not examining the woman's life. They're not examining her motives. They're not looking at the things that are a part of this. They see a situation and they immediately cast judgment. This is the type of thing that Jesus is talking about when he's talking about do not judge. Okay? There's a big difference between passing judgment and examining. We don't always understand that and we don't always do a very good job of that. We're much better judging because judging doesn't take as much time, effort, energy, or any brain power. We just look and say, that's wrong, or you're wrong, or you're dumb, or you're this, or you're that. Jesus is talking about that. Now, what does that look like? How do we look at that? I've written some things down here in your notes, and I want to go over them together, okay? So, This is what we need to look at. This is how we need to look at our lives while we're dealing with these types of situations. Number one, we break this command when we think the worst of others. Okay? 
We break this command. When, when are we being judgmental? When we automatically think the worst of somebody. Number two, we break this command when we only speak to others of their faults. Have you ever been that guy? Have you ever been the guy that like no one wants you to come by because all you're going to do is find what's wrong? Isn't that awesome? Don't you love that guy? Isn't that guy the greatest guy ever? Um, no. No. But that's when we're being judgmental. When all we can see is what's wrong with the situation. Next, we break this command when we judge... Oh, sorry. We break this command when we judge an entire life only by its worst moments. Think about that one for a second. Look, we've all done dumb things. We've all done things that we regret. We've all done things we wish. How would we feel if, if that one moment was how everyone always saw you? Boy, you messed up. Yeah, we all mess up. But we do that sometimes, don't we, folks? We remember, oh, you remember, remember a couple years ago when you did this? It's wrong. It's important that we understand that. Next, we break this command when we judge the hidden motives of others. We try to figure it out. We try to figure out what they're trying to do. Next, we break this command when we judge others without considering ourselves in their same situation. You ever heard the phrase, you know, walk a mile in my shoes? You know, we always think that we know what's going on in people's lives and we don't. And so we judge that when we don't really understand what we would do next. We break this command when we judge others without being mindful that we ourselves will be judged. Because Jesus continues here. Jesus doesn't just stop here with this idea of this. He moves on, and that's what we're going to move on to now in Matthew 7, 2. It says this, after he says, do not judge, for you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, this idea of measuring is an interesting thing, and you need to understand why Jesus uses that particular term. Okay, because it sounds kind of strange. It doesn't sound uh, in our kind of our understanding that word measured seems kind of a weird place to put it. It's like, why is he saying that? It's quite simple. During this time, a lot of rabbis taught that there were two basically styles of measurement that God would judge you by. Okay. There were two different types of measurement, okay, if this makes sense. And he would measure out, basically, judgment on you in two different ways. Number one, he would measure out this idea of measuring the measure of justice versus the measure of mercy, okay? So this measurement was this idea, would Jesus or would God measure you or judge you by a measure of mercy? Or would he, would he basically measure you by a measure of justice, and so Jesus uses this term because his hearers understand that. And so he's saying, however you want to be measured is this. So basically the question is this. Do you want God to measure you with a measure of justice or a measure of mercy? Which one? Now, obviously, all of us are going to say, hey, I know my life. I know I've got issues. I know I don't always do things that are right. I would much rather have Jesus and God basically look at me and measure me with mercy than measure me with justice. 
But he's talking here and he's basically saying, hey, listen, if you look at people and you look at their lives and you begin to judge them and you begin to look at them and you begin to deal with these things and you begin to look at them with a measure of justice, so will I when I look at you. If you will look at people and give them mercy, then guess what? So will I. So this idea of measurement comes from something and is expressed in something. And so that's something you want to ask yourself when you're looking at a situation or you're looking at a person and you're examining them. Are you giving them a measure of justice or a measure of mercy? Are you looking at them and saying, oh, I can't believe you did. Listen, here's the thing. We will demand grace and mercy for ourselves and we refuse to extend it to other people. Can you imagine how our lives would be different if the same grace and mercy you demanded for yourself, you extended to everybody else? We'll look at others and they'll make a mistake and we'll say, oh, how could you? Oh, I can't believe you did that. Oh, what's wrong with you? And then we'll do the same thing. And when people start looking at us, we'll say, don't judge me. I didn't mean it. I messed up. Oh, you know, give me mercy, mercy, mercy. Jesus talked about this in the story of the guy that, that had the large debt, remember? And the king forgave him of the large debt. And then he went to his fellow servant and demanded that he pay him right then and there. He was measuring out judgment with a measure of justice. Justice demanded the, pay, the, the, the debt be paid. Mercy forgave the debt. And so because of that, because that guy refused to do that, the king found out about it and put him in prison. Because he refused. So how we judge, how we examine, how we allow those measurements to come out, Jesus is looking at it and saying, hey, how you do that, it'll come back to you. And then Jesus concludes this little section with a really interesting, kind of a funny little view of this. And it's in Matthew 7, 3 through 5. And it says this. It says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Okay. Now, I, I looked this week because I, I was trying to figure something out here. And I'm just, I'm just going to help you understand this a little different than maybe you would maybe have seen it before. Now. I, we don't have a plank. I'm not quite sure what a plank would be. I kind of looked at different translations. and so, you know, Basically, it's a large piece of wood. I didn't have a two-by-four. So, so I brought this out here to show you something very visual so you can always remember this. Okay? Jesus here is talking about this idea of sawdust in one eye and a plank in other. And he's basically talking about the fact that he's giving this funny picture because he wants you to remember it, because he wants you to see it. So I'm just going to help you to remember that. Because a lot of times what we end up doing as people is we want to help people. People. And we, oh, well, let me help you with that piece of sawdust in your eye. And we forget that we have something like this sticking out of ours. Now, here's the problem with this, okay? Christine, you don't, I, I, I'm, I don't want to hit anything. So I'm just going to kind of go above your head. Okay, and you just sit there right there. Now, here's the problem with all this. Number one, I am a little... I'm really trying to keep this from hitting your shoulder, okay? All right, you good? Okay, help me out here. So the problem with this is a couple things. Number one, it's blurring my vision. I'm seeing this stick, and I can't really even see her. Now, that might be because I'm old and I need better, stronger contacts. But regardless, I'm having a hard time here. The second thing is I can't even see her eyeballs. That's better. Left eye's bad. There we go. Okay. I can see, but there's no way I can see enough to get there. 
Here's the other problem. My arms aren't long enough. This is silly, but this is what we do. This is how we handle sometimes situations of people. And we want to help, and that's good. But we're sitting there with a plank in our eye, and we're trying to get to to Christine to help her. Jesus is really clear on this. He doesn't say, don't help. He doesn't say, don't examine and bring forth change in that person's life. He says, first, look at yourself. Remove this. Oh, it broke. Now, I don't think we needed that. I hope not, Alan. Where's Alan? Okay, uh, we're good. Alan's like, I was going to use that. Okay, now something amazing can take place. I can actually get close enough where I can help examine. But we don't do that a lot of times, folks. We grab our plank and we leave our plank there. And here's the other thing. If I kept that thing, I'd start smacking people with it. Okay? So Jesus gives this funny illustration. Why? So you'll remember it. So you'll remember that, listen, hey, you start with you. You start with taking the plank out of your own eye so that you can better and more effectively be able to examine those around you to help them remove sometimes the speck out of theirs. Okay? And so Jesus wants us to see that and understand that. Next, he goes to a very interesting section. And he talks about this in, in Matthew 7, 6. And we're going to talk about balancing love with discernment. Balancing love with discernment. Look at Matthew 7, 6. It says this. After Jesus has just shared this. And remember, it's all connected. We have to look at it as a section. Jesus says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Now, this was one that as I was looking at this, I I needed some help. And so I went to a a theologian that I trust. and, And this is what he said on this. And it's in your notes. It says, the dog and pigs here are often understood as those who are hostile to the kingdom of God and the message that it that announces it. Our love for others must not blind us to their hardened rejection of the good news of his kingdom. There's a time where Jesus sends his disciples out. And he says, listen, I want you to go and I want you to preach. And I want you to do all these things. And he basically says to them, listen, if they refuse to hear you, knock the dust off your feet. It was a way of basically saying, hey, listen, you go on and you move on. Okay? Sometimes what Jesus is saying is, is you've got to have a little discernment. You're going to have to look at the situation. And, and sometimes what we end up doing is we end up pounding our heads into the wall. And we're going, oh, you need, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need, and they just reject it and 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 reject it. And sometimes what God will say to us is, listen, you need to stop throwing those things down because you're getting trampled. You need to take a step back and wait for the timing that I have for you. It causes a little bit of discernment to be a part of your life. It comes, and you need to understand that. This is what what I think this whole section kind of breaks down to as we look at 1 through 6. It says, we might say that Jesus means this. Don't be judgmental, but don't throw out all discernment either. You need to have both. You need to examine with discernment. Okay? So beware of that. Understand that. Look at that. Pray about that. Let God lead you in those times and in those moments. Because we want to make sure that not only are we doing what's right, we want to do it at the right moment and the right time. Timing can be so important. We need to understand that. Okay? So we're not to be judgmental, but we got to be discernment. we got to love and discern those things. Okay? The right moments, the right moments to speak. Because sometimes we, we, we get that plank out of our eye, right? And then we look and we notice the speck in theirs and we want to help them, but they're not ready. 
Okay? And sometimes we can do, cause more damage by forcing instead of allowing God's timing to, to, be, to happen in their lives. Next, and this is a beautiful portion of scripture, we get to understand the nature of our Heavenly Father. Okay? After understanding this idea of, of not judging and, and, and examining and discerning, now Jesus moves to a new, little bit new of a section in Matthew 7, 7, and 11. It says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And then we, I love this portion of scripture. Which of you, if your son asks you for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How, I love that portion, how much more? When I think about God, and I think about his grace, and I think about his mercy, and I think about his goodness, those words just kind of come in my mind so many, so many times. It's like, how much more? The scripture where it talks about pressed down, shaken together, and running over. How much more? However much you can think of who God is, and how great he is, and how much his mercy, and how much he loves you, how much more do you not even understand or comprehend the hugeness of God? And in this scripture, he's like, listen, listen, I'm your dad. And if you need, you come. If you seek, you'll find. If you ask, it'll be given. And then he goes one step further. He basically uses an illustration that we can all understand. He goes basically, hey, listen, if you, as humans, as broken, as evil, he calls us, if you know how to give your kids good gifts, how much more? As your heavenly father. Now, let's stop here for a second because I, I, I know sometimes where this can get confusing. Okay? Here's what we have to understand. God knows what gifts we need and what gifts we don't. And a lot of times we'll ask him for certain things and God will say in his infinite, check this out, in his infinite love, he'll say no. Because he knows what you need more than you know what you need. There's been so many times in my life where I've sat there and gone, God, I want, God, I need, God, I... And God, in his infinite love, doesn't give it to me. But he does help us understand that he will be a part of bringing forth things into our lives that we need when we look and we seek and we knock. And he'll give us those things. And so I put down a couple things to look at, to remember that we can pull from this little section of Scripture. Number one, our Father listens. Our Father listens. Our Father is not absent. Our Father is here and he's listening to us and those things. Next, our Father answers. He doesn't just hear it and go, well, good luck with that. He actually answers our prayers. He actually brings forth those things. Next, our Father opens. He opens those doors. And I could have put in here, slash closes, which is sometimes just as important. But he opens those things. Next, our Father gives. Our Father is a giver. We've talked about this before. Listen, the only thing on this whole entire planet that doesn't give a lot of times is us. Our Father's a giver. And he loves to give gifts. And he loves to share himself with us. Next and finally, and there could be a lot more, but I've narrowed it down to about five. Next, our God, our Father is so good. So good. So good. Listen, 
One of the things that I would love to just pound in my head and yours is the understand to a deeper level the goodness of God. Because you understand that, it changes everything. If you can get to this place where you understand that God is good all the time, in every situation, in every circumstance, no matter what you face and no matter what you go through, if you can see it through that prison, everything changes. Even the hard stuff, even the bad stuff, even the the negative stuff, if we can go, no, 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 my God is good and he has good things for his kids, it can change everything. But a lot of times we don't. A lot of times we look at the goodness of God and we base it on our circumstances instead of the fact that that is who God truly is. Okay? We've got to remember that. We, we, we have that issue sometimes in our lives. We go, God is loving. Yes, God is loving. God is good. Yes, God is good. He, he does good things. But God is literally the embodiment of these things. It doesn't say God is loving, even though he is. Scripture tells us that God is love. God is mercy. God is patient. God is good. God is kind. You want to see what God is? You want to see how not just what God acts, but literally the embodiment of God? It's, it's basically those, those little fruit of the spirit we like to sing about and talk about when we're kids. Goodness, patience, self-control. Those are not things that God just displays. These are literally who God is. And it doesn't change. So no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, no matter how good or poor your life is, it does not affect the goodness of God. And you go, but Aaron, this negative thing happened and this hard thing happened. Yes, and I understand that. And we all go through these things. But God still is the God that says, I will take all things and work all things for good for those that love me and are called according to my purposes. All things. Is that hard? Absolutely. Is that easy? Nope. But it still doesn't change the fact that it's true. So no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, we have a good God. And I want you to, if you, if you, if you have an actual physical Bible, and, and, and even if you have your phone, you can usually highlight stuff. Do me a favor. I want you to highlight that. I want you to highlight that little scripture right there where it says basically, um, how much more? Remember that. Write that down. Put it on stuff. How much more? You know, oh, I love my kids. Yes, yes. I want my kids to know Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. How much more does God want those things for your kids? I want to I have a good marriage. I, I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good wife. Yes, yes, yes. How much more does God want that for you? I want to know you, God. I want to feel you. I want to experience you. I want to have a deeper level of intimacy with you. Yes, yes, yes. How much more does God want that for you? Sometimes we forget that because we think that we're only struggling on our own. When God is like, no, 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 I've got it. How much more? And the final thing, number four, Jesus talks about the golden rule. The golden rule. Now, here's what we have to understand about the golden rule. Okay? This was not something that they hadn't heard in some way, shape, or form before. Okay? A lot of times we'll, we'll re- oh, this is, this is this brand new idea that Jesus brought up, this golden rule. It wasn't. It wasn't. Now, It was a little different. It was a little different. We're going to talk about that. But in Matthew 7, 12, it says this. So in everything, 
kind of summing up here as we've looked at judging and discerning and asking and knocking and all these things. Here's Jesus wrapping it all up in this little section before we move on to what we're going to be talking about next week. He says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up, again, the law and the prophets. The golden rule. Most of us have heard the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And it's so beautiful, and, and most people know it, because it's, it's got a lot of truth to it. But here's the thing you need to understand. Jesus, before this, there was this understanding. Okay, Now, it's in your notes, and so it's going to be up there on the screen. But before, this is what they would understand the golden rule to be. It would be this. You should not do to your neighbor what you would not want him to do to you. So it had a very negative idea. Okay, so this is how they knew it before. So basically, hey, I don't want you to kick me in the shin, so I won't kick you in the shin. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, I want you to be nice to me, so I'll be nice to you. That was the idea. That was the concept. Jesus changes it. Jesus takes it from a negative connotation to a positive one and doesn't just say, hey, listen, if you don't want somebody to kick you in the shin, don't you kick them in the shin. He says, not only do you not kick them in the shin, but you are there to give them a hug instead. It's like this. Think of it this way, okay? Under the old understanding of the golden rule, it would basically be like this. You shouldn't break the speed limit when you're driving down the road, okay? Now, is that good? Sure. Sure, we're supposed to obey the laws and the speed limit, right? Jesus takes it one step further and says, listen, not only are you not to break the speed limit, you need to stop and help the stranded motorist on the side of the road change a tire. Do you see the difference? Do you understand that this is a greater command, that Jesus broadens it out? Because basically before it was like, hey, you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. You don't talk about me, I won't talk about you. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not enough. My rule is that you are to go and to do unto your neighbor. It's greater. It's not just you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. You don't do something mean to me, I won't do something mean to you. Jesus is literally saying, you are to go and to do good to them. It's greater. It's positive. It's more of a deeper understanding of what Jesus wants us to see and understand about this rule. Because before, it was just basically this idea of, of this, this negative. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. There needs to be action. There needs to be you going out and doing good things and changing your world. Now, here's the problem. Let's be honest, okay? Let's talk about... Christendom as a whole right now. We have in some ways reverted back to this. You leave us alone, we'll leave you alone. You don't say mean things about us, we won't say mean things about you. You go over there and you stay over there and, there, and we'll stay in here and we'll be safe and you be safe and, you know, mm-mm. And neither the tween shall meet. We've kind of reverted back. We've basically gotten to this place where we're like, hey, hey, I, I don't like what's going on out there. And so I don't want to deal with it. And I don't want to fight it. And I don't want to have to be a light in a dark place. And so I'll just kind of stay over here and hide out over here. And you stay over there. And you leave me alone. Don't you say mean things about us. We won't say mean things about you. Don't you judge us and us stop. And, and we won't judge you and your stuff. You stay over there. And we stay over here. And Jesus is like, ah, no, that's not how this works. Jesus says that our job 
if we are truly following the golden rule, is we are to go and make a difference in those places. That we are to go and bring forth life and bring forth light into dark, dead areas. It's an action. If you think you're following the golden rule and you're not making a difference in the lives of people that are in the lives of people around you, you're not truly following this command. Period. But the church as a whole, we, we've kind of grabbed a hold of that. And Jesus is like, no, it's greater. Because here's the deal. If we go back, there's a lot of us, check it. There's a lot of us that are really good at obeying the speed limit. But we won't stop and help somebody on the side of the road that has a flat tire. It's too hot. I might get my clothes dirty. I don't, I don't really feel like I'm called to change tires. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a uh, called to be a, 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 a bringing gas to someone ministry. That's it's my calling. You know, I just feel that's my calling. When there's a, a world of people that are on the side of the road that need help and we're driving past them. And the worship team wants to come up. We're going to close. I remember when I was a kid, we had um, Royal Rangers. Well, I really did break that pretty good, didn't I? We'll have to remove that so the kids do not grab it and accidentally, you know, impale someone. But when I was a kid, we would, and that perfectly goes into Royal Rangers. Um, <laughs> But when I was a kid, I was in Royal Rangers, and we would do this beginning meeting, and we would say the Ranger Pledge and, and all these things that we would memorize. And one thing that we'd always say is there's a golden rule. That would be a, a thing we would repeat. And, and it's one of those things, unfortunately, in the lives of people, whether it be because of judgment or, or, or not understanding or a lack of discernment, it's become a rule that we just haven't really followed. Like I said, we're usually really, really good at sometimes at following the speed limit. But to make a difference in somebody's life, that can be inconveniencing. I mean, that's, that's, that's not so easy. And, and here's the thing. It's, it's not a let, let Aaron pick up a rock and throw it at you. We all, me included, we all sometimes miss opportunities. And I'm not going to tell you or can't tell you this is an opportunity you missed. But I think probably in our lives, if we could all think about it, there's probably moments where we could have made a difference and we chose not to. And Jesus here is asking us to do something more than just kind of be on the sidelines and kind of keeping people and situations at arm's length. He's asking us to invite ourselves into it. One of the things that is so negative about this idea in our culture today that you can't look at a situation and examine it and give forth a, a, a clear understanding of right and wrong is, is now we don't have a standard. And that's so dangerous, folks. And look, listen, hear my heart on this. I do not believe it is the world's job to give a standard for godly things. That's got to come from us. But right now we're afraid. We're afraid to stand on what God has commanded because, well, I don't want to judge you. And so what do we do? Well, first, first we, we make sure that we get that out of our eye. 
Because we can't do it effectively with that in our eye. And unfortunately, if we look at our world, there's plenty of examples of Christians who are doing that with that in their eye, and they're causing major, major problems. So we start with us. Next week, we're going to talk even more about that as we kind of close how Jesus talks about this idea that it starts here before it goes out there. So we got to make sure those are removed. And then when those are removed, we can go and we can make a loving, positive impact on the world around us. How do we do that? First, we got to have that discernment. We got to be smart. Remember, we talked about this with Jesus. Jesus commands us to be as harmless as doves, but literally as smart as Satan, as smart as a serpent, as wise as a serpent. You know what I've learned? This is crazy. Christians are some of the most, they have some of the, the, the least amount of tact that I've ever seen in my life. That's not wisdom. God has given us that and says, if you need more, I'll give you more. Liberally, he says. But we've allowed this fear to keep us from going to people that we love, that God has placed in our lives, and share with them that their lives are ending, or going towards disaster. They're going towards disaster. And you go, well, they're rich. They're fine. They got this new car. Listen, I'm not talking about necessarily in this life, but the life to come. They're going to disaster. Well, you know what? I don't want to judge them. I don't want... Yeah, you're right. You shouldn't. But God's placed you in that position so that you can look at their life, examine it to bring forth change that needs to take place. Let's be honest. Most Christians hide behind that feel, I don't want to judge because you don't want to do anything. Because you want to look at the law that God gives as the golden rule and says, listen, they leave me alone, I leave them alone. Everybody wins. That's not what God's called us to do. God's called us to be that change and bring forth that change in people's lives. And you know what? Listen, I'm just going to tell you right now. It's going to be hard and it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be difficult and it's going to be a, sometimes it's going to not be easy. It's going to be hard situation. I'm just going to, it's, I mean, one thing that we've learned over the last 10 weeks is basically the stuff that Jesus is asking us to do. If we try to do it on our own, we will fall flat on our face. We've got to have him and we need him. And that's an awesome thing because we can go to God and say, God, I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to be the stuff that Aaron said. I really do want to help, and I really do want to help people understand how much God loves them. But God, I don't know how. Will you help me? And God's like, yeah, you remember that little scripture part about asking, knocking, seeking? That's one of those good things I want to give to you. You see, that's what's so amazing about how Jesus teaches. He takes these three different things that seem to be kind of different. Like, what do you mean judging and then then discerning and then then asking and knocking and then then golden rule? What, What in the world? They all go together. They're all a part of this understanding that to do all these things, you need them all. It's a holistic understanding of how we are to take the teachings of Jesus and then apply them to our lives. Jesus was brilliant the most unbelievable communicator that has ever lived. So we take it all in to be effective in helping people to know who Jesus is. Because here's the thing. If we're going to be like Jesus, Jesus did not deal with people's stuff. Jesus called a spade a spade. Why? Because he loved them.
And I've, had, I've heard this saying, well, Jesus can do that, but I can't. Are you kidding me? You're his ambassador. You're his disciple. You are his representative on earth. Yes, it's your job. But let's be honest, we don't, haven't done it very well. But the past can be in the past. And God can help us today if we'll let him. So listen, let's not just be people who just follow the speed limit. Let's be people who get our hands dirty. Let's be those people that see those hurting, dying people on the side of the road. And we're not like the Pharisee. We're not like the the Levite who walk on the other side. But we're like that Samaritan who gets down in the dirt and the muck and the blood and starts to work and say, we'll get this fixed. Man, I'll take care of you. I'll help you. I'll take care of you. Listen, the guy didn't judge him. He didn't say, how stupid were you to go down this road to Jericho? There are bandits everywhere. What's wrong with you? No, he just grabbed him and he bandaged his wounds and he took him to an inn and he looked at the innkeeper and said, whatever it costs, I will pay it because this man's life matters. But for too long, we've just said, you know what? Just another dead guy on the side of the road. He'll be fine. When God's called us to be more and to do more. So pray with me. Father, we come to you right now. And God, we have allowed fear to control us. We have stopped looking to you for discernment. We've tried to do it in our own strength and our own knowledge. We have stopped asking for help. We've stopped asking for those good things. And because of all those things, we have stopped following a basic rule that you've told us everything hangs on. That's what's amazing. You said, listen, you do unto others. That's that's what the law, the prophets, it's it's what it all hangs on. This is so important. But because we failed to look at the beginning of chapter 7, we've been unable to to follow this command in the middle of chapter 7. Or we thought, I can do this and not do this other stuff. It doesn't work that way. So Jesus, I pray first and foremost that you would bring us to a place where we understood what it is to examine in love. That you would help us, the people you've placed in our lives, that we would be brave enough and bold enough to look and say, listen, I love you. And this is a road that's going to lead to destruction. You're judging. No, I'm not judging you. I'm helping you understand that you're walking towards a cliff because I love you and I care for you. And that we need to do that in the right moment, in the right time. Because God, you are preparing their heart. You're you're working in them, whether they know you or not. And you are working and helping them to see that there's something there they need to deal with. And that, Father, even before we start that, that we would go to you. And we'd say, Jesus, I need your help. I need your wisdom. I need your direction. I need your discernment. I need your love. I need your grace so I can share that with everybody else. And then when we get it all then we can actually follow this golden rule that most of us learned when we were five years old but still haven't mastered. So help us. Change us. Make us more like you. Because Jesus, you were obviously amazing at these things. When the disciples saw the woman and began to judge her, you shut it down. And you showed her heart. You examined her. 
And what's so beautiful about that story is when you did, she came out as a woman with a heart of pure gold. Even though she'd messed up, even though she may have had a life that was not a good life up to that moment, you still loved her and accepted her. And Jesus, that's what we desire to do and on the people that come into our dinner parties and into our life. But we can't do it without you. So Jesus, help us. Help us. We love you. We thank you. You're so good. We love you so much.